Good morning. If you're new to City Church, you're really welcome. My name's Ben. I'm one of the elders here. Um, I led the Cotton site until last year, and now my primary focus is supporting Simon Allen and James Lee and Ashley George as they lead our three congregations. And also uh, alongside Andy Cottingham, I help coordinate all our activities as a church uh, in line with our vision of helping Bristol believe. So that means uh, on Sundays, often I'm at different services. Um, and recently I've been uh, leading worship more regularly um, at the Bradley Stokes site, which has been fantastic to do. One of the things that we're trying to do more regularly is to preach and teach into the whole area of giving. I think we recognise that often this isn't something uh, that British people feel terribly comfortable talking about. Uh, when you're at a social gathering and you meet someone for the first time, it's normal to ask, oh, what's your name? What do you do? You don't often then go on to ask, and how much do you earn? Um, but Jesus talked a huge amount about money. And so we don't need to feel awkward uh, about talking about it, especially in church. And of course, at the moment, we are being bombarded by news stories every day about the economy and the cost of living. There's almost no space for any other news stories. And it's important to recognise the situation that the country finds itself in at the moment. There are real concerns about energy prices, massive worries about interest rates and the potential of much higher mortgage costs. These are real issues for many of us, um, but they're also a massive threat uh, to millions of the poorest in our nation who live on or below the poverty line. And many of them live right on our doorstep here in Bristol or South Gloucestershire. So into this context, we're going to look at God's word and I'm praying that it will build your faith and also equip you with the realities of managing a budget, stewarding all that God's given you and being generous. That's what faith should do. It should engage with the reality of the situation that you're in, um, not getting into unreality, um, but trusting that God will provide for you and make you a blessing to other people. So why don't you turn with me to uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Um, and while you're turning to that, let me explain. This book of the Old Testament covers the history of God's people from Adam right through to King David. And in the last few chapters, it focuses on David's preparations for building a temple for God. God's presence, if you know the story, had travelled with God's people, focused on the Ark of the Covenant, um, and it had been housed in the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. Um, but David longs to build a permanent house for God in Jerusalem. And as we read chapter 29 of 1 Chronicles, I want you to remember that now God dwells with his people by the Holy Spirit. Um, now we are the people of God, the church that God is building. Uh, and just keep that in your mind as we read together. So 1 Chronicles 29. 
Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colours and all kinds of fine stone and marble. All of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I've provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir. Now, uh, 3,000 talents, that is uh, 100 metric tons. Now, if you're like me, you're not very good on weights and how much is that? So uh, a metric ton is 1,000 kilograms. So uh, what David has given is 100,000 kilograms of gold. Now, uh, today, one kilogram of gold is worth about 50,000 pounds. So the amount that David has given in gold would be the modern equivalent of five billion pounds. Let's carry on. Um, uh, and 7,000 talents of refined silver. So that's more than twice as much silver as the weight of gold that he's given. Uh, and that's all for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Verse six, then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave towards the work on the temple of God, 5,000 talents and 10,000 darics of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze and 100,000 talents of iron. These are mind blowing quantities. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel, the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs 
to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you would help me lay a right foundation of truth today and that faith would rise in your people. Amen. So what we've just read is an example of remarkable extravagance. God's people are giving hyper generously to the building of the temple. Now, remember what I said before, because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit being poured out, now we are the temple of God. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Because of Jesus, we are now the temple of God's presence. And think about the extravagant generosity that David and the leaders and the people displayed in building a temple for God. I believe God calls us to the same kind of faith and generosity, not for a building, but to build God's church, the family of God. So we're never going to be building physical temples and overlaying them with gold. Of course, I would love us to own buildings across Bristol, um, but only as places where the church, the people of God can gather and where we can reach out to everyone in Bristol and South Gloucestershire with the gospel and also serve those who are most in need. So what does this chapter in 1 Chronicles uh, teach us about giving in our context in relation to building the church and our mission of helping Bristol believe? Well, the first thing to notice is their willingness to give. In verse two, we see that David had provided materials for building the temple. But then in verse three, he says, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything I've provided for this temple, for this holy temple. David wasn't just doing the bare minimum required. He gave willingly out of devotion and in vast quantities. Look at verse six. The leaders also gave willingly, not out of duty, not begrudgingly, but joyfully. And verse nine says that the ordinary people recognized it. It says the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. And David says later in verse 17, all these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. There's no obligation for anyone uh, to give in this church. I think this passage shows that the leaders should set an example for others to follow, but it is for each person to decide what they will give. And like this passage, we would teach that we should give willingly and generously. Giving really is 
a heart issue. It's not about amount, it's about your heart for God. Is there a willingness in your heart, in my heart, to give to God, to build the church and invest in mission? You may have heard me tell this story before, but J. John tells the story of a man who was traveling and he happens to be at an airport and he decides to treat himself and get a coffee and a small bag of donuts. And he's looking around for somewhere to sit, but all the tables are full of people. Um, but there's one table with one guy there and a, and a spare chair opposite. So he thinks, I'll sit there. So he makes his way over. He puts down his coffee and his bags and his, his donuts. Um, and he sits down opposite uh, the man. Um, and he opens the bag of donuts on the table and he takes one out and, and starts eating it. And the man uh, across from him looks up, um, smiles and takes a donut from the bag. Well, he can't believe what he's just seen. He's absolutely outraged. This guy across the table took one of his donuts. But, you know, he's British, so uh, he doesn't say anything. What he does manage to do is reach over, take another donut, but very meaningfully kind of move the bag of donuts closer to his side of the table. The other man looks up and he smiles again, reaches over and takes another donut from the bag. The absolute gall. This man was stealing his donuts. He gives him his best kind of withering look. Um, the other man looks slightly confused but starts gather gathering up his belongings to leave. Um, but before he goes, he reaches over and takes the last donut from the bag and he tears it open puts one half in his mouth and puts the other half down on top of the bag and pushes it um, towards our guy. And then uh, this other man smiles and off he goes. Our traveller sits at the table dumbfounded and seething with rage. This is the crime of the century. He starts looking around. Are there any police or security so that the man can be arrested? But actually he needs to hurry and get his plane as well. So he reaches down to pick up his bags and there on top of his bags is his unopened bag of donuts. Oh, he thought the other man had been stealing his donuts, but actually he was the donut thief. J. John says memorably, they're all God's donuts. We can act like things are mine. You know, I bought them, they're for me. Uh, it's my money uh, that I've earned. It's for me to buy the things I want for me and I'm not going to share my things with you. But 1 Chronicles teaches that it all belongs to God. It's all his. Uh, so powerfully uh, shown in that story. And God graciously shares with us. In verse 11 it says, David prays saying, everything in heaven and earth 
is yours. Verse 12, wealth and honour come from you. Verse 16, all this abundance comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you. Think of that famous verse in Psalm 50. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. They're all God's donuts. Everything we have has been given to us by God. It doesn't really belong to us. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's just on loan. And we are stewards, not owners. So why wouldn't you share what you have with other people? Why wouldn't you give? Because it's not really yours anyway. Our society would say, well, you've worked hard. You deserve to enjoy what you've earned. If you think it's all yours, then you will kind of try and keep it to yourself. But in the verses we've read, the people of God gave willingly and joyfully, not miserly, not thinking how much can I keep, but how much can I give? Because they got it. It's all his anyway. And as we said, 1 Chronicles teaches us to give willingly, to recognise that it all belongs to God. Um, and thirdly, it teaches us humble generosity. In verse 14, David prays, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? I find it personally astounding that I get to be part of all that God is doing amongst us as a church. Do you know that we have 50, yes, five zero people currently on Alpha? We have new people coming along to all three of our sites um, through street life and encounter. We are connecting uh, with you know, probably over 100 people uh, every week, some of whom are the most needy um, in our city. And Jamie and Debbie Finley, who were with us as a church for, for years, are planting a new church in Leicester. It's mind-blowing that we get to be involved in all of these things. And I get to be a part of all of that. We get to be a part of all of that. And we are uh, a remarkably generous church. Last year, the people in this church gave about £400,000. And that represents around 130 or so people uh, giving financially on a monthly basis towards our vision of helping Bristol believe. And remember that sort of 130 or so, that some of those will be individual people, but many of that number actually represents a whole family who are giving uh, to all that we're doing as a church. Um, and people giving in that regular way is our preferred method um, for you to give because then we have a good idea of how much we have each year and we can plan our expenditure and steward all that God has given us as well as we possibly can. Some people also like to uh, make one-off gifts. Maybe if you get a bonus at work or you come into some money um, and so you're able to give, as David says in verse three, over and above uh, what you give on a regular basis. We are all part of helping Bristol believe. 
Every one of us can pray. Everybody can help out in some way. But vision costs money, doesn't it? And we're stretching again this year. We anticipate spending about £520,000 uh, this financial year, and we predict an income of about £420,000. Now, we have a good uh, reserve position, um, and we wanted to be generous to Jamie and Debbie as they plant the church in Leicester. We've added Simon Allen to our team, and Ash George has increased his days now. He's working three days a week for the church, and we are incredibly blessed to have the team uh, that we have. Um, and most of the money that we receive is, is invested in our team and in hiring the venues that we use on Sundays and all the different ministries uh, that we run. Um, and that's all to help us reach people with the gospel, restore broken lives and resource people and churches. But wouldn't it be great if the regular giving came in much, much closer to what we budgeted to spend? So it takes all of us giving financially what we can. But back to David, his attitude was one of humility. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? That should be our attitude. God I'm overwhelmed that I have the opportunity to give in order to make this vision a reality. And lastly, do you see the context that all this happened in? In verse 20, and just a few verses beyond where we stopped reading, David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down prostrating themselves before the Lord and the King. Their worshipping and giving financially is a part of our worship to God. It's one thing to say, oh, I love you, God. It's, it's one thing to sing songs of worship to him, particularly when we gather on Sundays. But a, a life of worship involves many things, but it includes worshipping God with our money, demonstrating our devotion to him through what we give, willingly knowing it all comes from him and doing it with humble generosity and with a worshipful heart. I know many of you will be feeling really anxious about making ends meet at the moment, thinking about giving maybe a real struggle, a battle between faith and fear, between trust and despair. And it really is a heart issue of trust. Do I believe that God will take care of me? And it's a real battle because we can get scared of rocketing energy prices and higher mortgage or rent payments. But if you're following Jesus, let me tell you, your security isn't dependent on the mini budget that's just about to happen or on the Bank of England, or even dependent on Martin Lewis, you know, the money-saving expert. If you're a Christian, your security is in Jesus Christ. It's a radical and countercultural thing to give in the face of rising inflation and a higher cost of living. It takes faith and courage 
And you may already be giving, but you might feel like you need to reduce your giving. Um, and that may be absolutely right for you to do that. But I want to encourage all of us to lean into faith and not be driven by fear. God loves you. He's a good father. You can trust that he's in charge and he will provide for you. That's what faith looks like, trusting God for your daily bread. George Muller, who of course spent many years in Bristol, um, is a great example of what faith looks like. He had many mouths to feed in his orphanages, where all the children, street children, um, many years ago, who he took in and housed. And he would regularly ask God and pray for provision. Listen to this account. One morning, all the plates and cups and bowls on the table were empty. There was no food in the larder and no money to buy food. The children were standing waiting for their morning meal when Muller said, children, you know we must be in time for school. Then lifting his hands, he prayed, dear father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. There was a knock at the door. The baker stood there and said, Mr. Muller, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt you didn't have bread for breakfast and the Lord wanted me to send you some. So I got up at 2 a.m. and baked some fresh bread and have brought it. Mr. Muller thanked the baker and no sooner had he left when there was a second knock at the door. It was the milkman. He announced that his milk cart had broken down right in front of the orphanage and he would like to give the children his cans of fresh milk so that he could empty his wagon and repair it. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that so like our God who provides when we need it? So how can we lean into faith rather than fear? Well, our giving is a response to all that God has given us. Paul writes in Romans 8 verse 32, He, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. God gave his only son. Jesus left the glory of heaven and gave everything he had, giving up his life on the cross. He did it for you and I. He did it for the church to redeem us from sin and death. When I think about giving, when I wonder, can I afford to give more? Can I afford to give at all? I want to dwell on all that Jesus gave for me. We can trust God to provide for us, to provide for our brothers and sisters in the church and to meet the multitude of needs in our society. And in this season of economic challenges, we need to be more aware than ever of the needs of people around us. So I want to apply this very practically in three ways. In our giving to God, in how we bless one another and caring for those most in need. Firstly, I want to encourage you, if you call City Church your home, excel in the grace of giving and give to God through giving generously to the local church. 
This is part of your worship to God and it's an investment in building us as a church and an investment in the gospel. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So there's this principle of giving proportionately and regularly. How Jess and I do that is uh, by giving monthly uh, by standing order. It's easy. In some ways, it's too easy in this age of digital money and transfers. It cannot seem totally real. And, and then there's those times, aren't there, where the car breaks down or the boiler breaks. Um, and I think, oh, we could really do with all this money that we're giving monthly to the church. But I think it's good for us to feel it sometimes, to feel the sacrifice of what we give to God. David gave sacrificially to the building of the temple. And I'm happy to forgo other things if I can help build the church, help people hear about Jesus, or if I can bless someone in need. I'm really grateful that uh, God got hold of me. I became a Christian in my late teens um, and I attended a church very much like this one. And But I, I learned to love the church. I was taught about how God sees the church. I want to love the church the way Jesus loves the church and gave himself up for her. The church is God's plan to bless the whole world. God loves the church and I love the church and I count it as a privilege to be able to give. So be generous, but don't be unwise. Give out of what you have. Give out of what God has given to you, whether that's much or little. The principle being giving, keeping with your income. So if you're new to the church, you might want to consider starting to give if you've never done that before. Or if you're a young person or a student who doesn't have much money, that's okay. But build a principle into your life of giving to God. That might mean you give a pound or five pounds or 10 pounds a month. But learn to steward what you have wisely. It's good to have a budget to know how much you have coming in each month, what your regular costs are, and then you might need to make adjustments in order to live within your means and be able to be generous. Secondly, I encourage you to look out for people in this church family and meet one another's needs where you can. In Acts 2, it says of the early church, there were no needy persons among them. Do you know of anyone among us who is struggling financially? Maybe they're unwell or maybe they've lost a job or can't afford somewhere to live. I'm not saying that you can meet every need by any means, but perhaps you could invite someone around for a meal or uh, take them a meal or offer to pay for their weekly shop. I know so many of you do this stuff already and I probably need to learn from you. Um, but if, if you are here and you're struggling, remember you're part of a church family who uh, love you and want to help you and care for you. Um, we want to help look after one another 
and let's encourage each other to live generous lives. And then lastly, let's care for the people around us who are most in need. Are there people you're aware of who probably they're not part of a church? It might be a single parent or a widower or an elderly neighbour, a refugee, someone who's come out of the care system. Is there someone like that that you could bless? Again, I'm not saying that you can meet every need. You can't, but you could do something. Uh, this winter, you might want to invite someone around who's on their own um, to spend time at your house. You know, you're, you've already got the heating on probably, maybe not right now, but it, you know, into November, December, you'll have the heating on. Um, could you invite someone around and they can just be warm and also have company and then it means they don't need to heat uh, where they live. Um, my prayer is that we would each love people and love the church so much that it reaches our wallets and our purses. I want our faith to be higher than inflation. I want our generosity to be joyful and I want us to care for people as we become aware of their needs. As David wrote in verse 14, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand.